0: The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Big Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Shout out to the title sponsor of The Big Show. That's Big O. Big O Tires, of course, save up to $190 off Michelin t- Tires with financing options available only at your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're going to talk to you, Keith Smith, coming up here momentarily. Gordon, uh, one of our favorites, he covers the NBA um, for a variety of different outlets, actually. The NBA front office show, formerly uh, or, uh, Yahoo Sports, as well as Real GM. We always look forward to talking to Keith, and we'll get his thoughts on uh, what he's seen out there from the Utah Jazz.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a good time to ask these guys about what's happening here because bit by bit they're turning their attention to what the Utah Jazz are doing.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, really uh, the NBA world, all eyes are on the Jazz right now. Uh, you know, either it's a, a negative opinion or a positive opinion, everybody seems to have one.
2: Yeah, and most of them positive because the Jazz are giving people no choice, really. Well,
1: yeah, 19 out of 20 will do that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you would think so. It'll be—it's really going to be curious to see if they can keep this thing going like this. This, 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 this is this fun.
1: As we mentioned from the NBA front office show, out to the zone phone we go. He's our friend
3: Keith Smith. What's going on, Keith? Uh, a lot, but all—all all good. I hope the same for you guys.
1: Well, hey, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz. Gordon and I were just talking about how kind of national eyes are upon the Jazz. Some have some negative or doubts uh, type opinions, and uh, a lot of people are really positive. Where are you at the uh, on this Jazz team and how they're playing right now?
3: Yeah, I'm positive on them because I don't think. I mean, I mean clearly they're probably going to lose again at some point this season. I would <laughs> guess, um, but they. they Nothing that they are doing seems overly unsustainable to me. They're they're shooting it really well, but nobody's, like, shooting 10 percentage points or 20 percentage points higher than their usual percentage. They're just kind of doing their thing. And and one of the things that impresses me most about this team, and I think it relates back to the continuity factor, is I don't think there's a team in the league that knows who they are more than the Jets. They go out there when they're healthy. The same nine guys play. The same nine guys play roughly the same amount of minutes and at the same time in games, and they just kind of do their thing, and it's really, really impressive.
2: Keith, you said you think it's sustainable. What about in the postseason? Is this something that will work regardless of who the Jazz are playing?
3: I think so. I, I don't see a lot of reason why it wouldn't. It's not It's not like they are um, you know, running an offense that doesn't – make a lot of sense that they're playing at this crazy high pace. And, and when the game slows down, which it always does in the postseason, that, that's not going to hurt them. They're, they're fine there. I think, think they're based on ball and player movement, and they're, they're really getting that done. And then defensively, they're going to continue to do what they do, which is uh, defend hard on the perimeter, funnel everything inside to go So there's matchups that will be more difficult for them for sure, but I don't think anything that they're doing screams the regular season success only.
1: You know, they just rolled through uh, a home stretch here, Keith, where they beat the best of the Eastern Conference. I mean, we saw them beat Philly, but also uh, Milwaukee, Boston in this stretch. They had Miami on the second night of a back-to-back, and they got that win. But they did it all without Mike Conley, who's been playing at a a real extra level this year. What does that say about the Jazz depth, that they're still able to win those types of games?
3: Yeah, that's huge, because those felt like games in the past where – at least one or two of those might have slipped away from them, and that they now again it goes back to they they've they've got their nine guys that they know who they're gonna to go to, and then when anybody's out, it's generally been someone else has slid in there right now. it seems to be uh Oni and he's kind of doing his thing um out there and giving them a little bit a little bit of defense but I think it's really important that teams know what their roles are and what's expected of them, and I think that's what they've got out of all their guys. Nobody's trying to be Mike Conley. Everybody's just doing what they do to the best of their ability and trusting that the next guy's going to do the same thing, and that's really, really important.
2: Keith, should Jordan Clarkson be six man of the year, and beyond that, is it possible that he deserves to be an all-star even in the crowded West?
3: Uh, Definitely, I think, for the first. It's it's generally going to be one of those competitions that comes down to the end, and we'll see who ends up starting games and doesn't start games and all those things. But right now, for me, he's been the best player in the league off the bench. I think his consistency now is what's really great. You're not seeing those uh, games where he goes 10 of 12 from the floor and scores 30 points, followed by a game where he goes 2 of 12 and scores 5 points. Those games aren't really happening. They're just consistently good night to night. All-star is a little tougher because exactly what you said. It's just so crowded. There's so many guys at that guard spot in the West. I I don't know that he's going to be able to crack in there, but I think he should at least be in consideration.
2: I I think Jake will agree with me on this, that there are times when you look at what he does, maybe last night, and you think he's the best player on the floor.
3: Yeah, I think there's definitely. moment. Yeah, yeah, I think there's truth to that. I, I think there are certainly times where at least on the offensive end you can say that for sure where i think he he he's always had confidence it's always been one of those things where he's willing to step up and take the shots and do his thing and i think now what you're seeing is he is marrying that with consistency and that's again that's that's when it takes a you know pretty good player to be a really good player is once you drive home that consistency and that's where he's gotten to at this point
1: Keith, I want to look around the rest of the NBA, talk to you about uh, some other storylines going on. The Jazz have the Lakers next week, and uh, Anthony Davis dealing with some injury issues. How much pressure does that put on LeBron to be even more extraordinary? I mean, he hardly had an offseason, and he hasn't skipped a beat, and now it seems like more of the load's going to fall on him.
3: Yeah, I think that's what the initial thought would be, but I think they're probably going to look at it more as if we lose a you know handful of games over this next few weeks i don't know that they overly care too much i think the lakers are one of those teams that feels like no matter where we get to in the playoffs we feel pretty good about that as long as we stay in the home court running which they should be able to do that i would imagine so i don't think they're uh, um you know going to worry too much and push lebron overly hard i think they're taking the right approach with uh, anthony davis and now i think it's just going to be hey we've got the guys we've got If we win games, that's great, but I don't know how often you're going to see them push LeBron to play 40, 45 minutes in a game in the regular season just to get one more win. I I think they've got longer-ranged view in mind.
2: Is that the difference, Keith, between a defending champion and a team like the Jazz that's still trying to prove things to itself?
3: Yeah, I think so. I I think we see this uh, quite often. And, And I look at a team in the Eastern Conference who's not a defending champion, but the Milwaukee Bucks, I think what they learned is, hey, we can win a million games in the season, but if we still are the exact same team in the postseason and don't have any adjustments that we can go to and aren't ready to step our guys up to more minutes, we're going to struggle. And I think what you're seeing in that situation is, those teams learn that lesson through, you know, unfortunately some hard losses in the playoffs. And then, like you said, the Lakers, they, they know what they got to do. They know what it takes to win a championship. So I don't know that they're overly worried. Now on the flip side, I think for the Jazz, even with, you know, as few fans in these arenas as may be all the way through the postseason, they still have a real home court advantage because of the altitude factor. Now that's muted a little bit in the playoffs when teams are there for a handful of days at a time versus flying in and out, but that still does matter. So I think for them, that is something that's important for them to kind of keep that pushing. And I think as long as the Lakers and Clippers stay within striking distance, that gives the Jazz incentive to win as many games as possible and try to wrap up that number one seed.
1: So, Keith, usually uh, I'm of the the take that uh, matchups matter the most in the playoffs and that seating and home court and that sort of thing are overrated. Uh, but I'm going to go against my own rule here for a second, because if you finish first in the Western Conference, then you won't have to play the Lakers and the Clippers back-to-back in back-to-back series if you're going to make a run to the Western Conference Finals. That does seem somewhat significant to me so with that in mind do you think the jazz uh, i mean uh, you, you mentioned they're going to lose again obviously at some point but do you think they can hang on to that number one seed in the west
3: i do i think they can and i think that's a great point as to why that's really important I, i'm with you that i generally feel like matchups are what is most important it, you know seeding matters that you don't want to be you know, seven or eight, of course, and especially not now because of the advent of the play-in. You don't want to make anything harder on yourself than the need be. But I think when you're at the top of the conference, it's more about positioning yourself to have the easiest path forward. And if you can finish first, you should get an opponent in the first round that you should feel pretty comfortable about beating. And then the second round, you should feel pretty good again. And as you said, then you don't have to play both the Lakers and Clippers. And if those two teams do play each other, that could be one of those uh, grinded-out seven-game series where they beat up on each other. And if you're the Jazz and you can make relatively quick work of your second-round opponent, you're sitting there healthy, happy, and at home, and you're ready to go against the team that may come in you know, a little bit beat up and a little bit worn down.
2: So, Keith, even though we've just established the importance of the postseason relative to the regular season, a team like the Jazz that is emerging and trying to – improve game by game does the pressure increase as that record is so stellar or does it decrease
3: I don't know that it's related as much to the record I think the pressure increases and decreases by the number of games that you're ahead in the standings. so if you, if you get can get four or five games clear I think you start to feel pretty good about it If you're consistently uh, within a game or two, then the pressure stays on to try and keep that lead and stay ahead of your opponent. So I think that's what it's more related to versus is the record. They're they're not going to chase history here. They're not going to finish with the best win percentage in the history of the league or anything like that. So that's kind of off the table. So I think it's now more about how far ahead of the opponent you can stay.
1: Keith, give us your take on how the Brooklyn Nets experiment is going so far.
3: Yeah, they're starting to figure it out now. They they the interesting comment the other day where Kyrie Irving basically said, "Hey, James Harden's our point guard, I'm the two guard and and you know, off we go." I think we all kind of thought it might go that way, but but to hear that they're bought in and, and respectful of that, that that's important you've seen when Kevin Durant is there, they're fine. I think they're where is. exactly what it was when we, you know, looked at the team get put together, was how are they ever going to stop anybody? Now there's a side that says you need to stop anybody when you can score 130 points a night. Um, you, you still need to. You, you don't want to be winning every game 125 to 120 or so. There's too much variance in that. But but they're, they're going to be one of these groups. I think they're going to be somewhat active uh, leading up to the trade deadline. Then they'll be one of the top places for anybody who gets on the buyout market because they seem committed no matter what it costs, they're just going to keep trying guys out so they find the right fit of defenders who don't need the ball on offense. That's the other key part. As long as you want to come in, play defense, hit the boards, and move the ball, you'll have a home on the on the net, and that's what they're going to keep looking for all the way until it matters when you're going to lock in those playoff rosters.
2: Keith, what do you make of Draymond Green's comments that uh, t- it's not fair that teams can – have a certain attitude toward players but players can't have an attitude toward the team uh i jake and i had a conversation about this and then i talked with another one of our guys dj here on the station and he said uh as far as james harden goes he said you signed a long-term deal you're making a ton of money live up to the terms of the deal don't dog it what do you make of this
3: Yeah, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle with with these things. I I fully understand where he's coming from the side of, you know, hey, teams can kind of do whatever they want. But on the flip side, I think as the players, that's part of why you get paid 30 or 40 million dollars is because the teams can move you and move you around. And uh, these big trades, that's part of what makes this league so popular. You know, I, I wish more fans followed the NBA for what happens on the court, but we know that there's an awful lot of them that follow it for what happens off the court. So I, I get what he's saying there. Well, what what I don't like is when a player comes in and says, "I want to trade," and I don't blame a player for that, especially if they've kind of given everything that they feel that they could give. But then when they come in and give a half effort, or they start attacking their teammates, or the coaches, or the city, that's where you lose me. That that part that that. We, we can't have that. that. That's no good for anybody. But when a play, if a player doesn't want to go or doesn't want to be there anymore, I fully understand it because we all know the team, as soon as they're not feeling the player anymore, they're going to look to go in a different direction. So I think it's, for me, it would be one of those things where as long as it doesn't become an everyday thing that the guy saying, I want to trade, I want to trade, I want to trade, this place stinks. I want to trade. My teammates aren't good. Those those are huge issues. Then I have no problem. But if it is, you know, one time the player states it, then he goes out and gives it his all as long as he's there, then we don't have any kind of problem. I, I just think those situations are so few and far between that in all that we'll ever really see them.
1: What kind of market is there for Andre Drummond on a, on a related note?
3: Uh, it, it's a tough one because of how much money he makes. Uh, that's the challenge ever, ever, you know, really over the last two, three weeks uh, since they got Jared Allen, we've all been kind of knowing this was where it was headed. Cavs had their center of the future. Drummond's a pending free agent. Uh, but the problem is, as you've asked around the league, I don't know if you guys have, but I know I have plenty. There's there's teams that say, yeah, we like him, but not at that kind of money. So I think that is one, because he's an expiring contract, that may ultimately come down to a bio scenario because they just don't know that there's going to be a team that fits up because the problem is you either need to send a bad contract back to the Cavs. Maybe they do that if you attach a pick or something like that, or you have to pile together, you know, two, three, or four contracts to go get Drummond. And I don't know that he's the kind of guy anybody wants to sap their depth depth for, especially in this situation this year, where guys are still kind of in and out of the lineup with uh, various issues. So so that's the problem for Andre Drummond. I just don't know that we're going to see a trade come together for him.
2: Last night we watched the Jazz beat the Sixers. Uh, Ben Simmons went for 42 points and seemed more aggressive offensively. Obviously, Embiid wasn't playing in that game. But do you think he should be more aggressive, or is he just as effective sitting back a little bit and delivering passes and playing some defense?
3: No, I like when he's aggressive and he looks to score. And I'm not one of these people that says he's got to put up jump shots and take three-pointers and all that. That's not his game. I think we need to move off that and say at this point in his career, we know that's not going to be who he is. But I like when he is aggressive because even when teams go under on him on screen or if it's just an iso and they back up, he's so big and so strong that he can still get into the teeth of the defense with that. And I think when you see him look to score, then what that does is that opens up those passing lanes because you see when he's more uh, in the pass first mode, he'll see he'll drive he gets to the same spot where he could look to score but the teams start jumping the passing lane early so I love when he's aggressive and looks to score the ball I think that opens up a whole new world for Philadelphia the challenge is and it's it's something that they're still sorting through I think they're getting there more this year than they have you just need to make sure when he's driving he's not driving into Embiid's already there and Harris is there and somebody else is cutting through on the baseline or something like that because so that messes up the spacing and makes a big you know uh pile inside the paint so i think when they have good floor spacing i love when he's in attack mode
1: keith we always appreciate it when you have a few minutes to drop by the show thank you very much
3: thank you i appreciate it y'all stay safe you and yours
1: back nice. at you keith absolutely uh that's our friend keith smith uh from the nba front office show also yahoo sports and real gm always one of our favorites
2: so a question for you Jake based off part of what we talked about there with with uh with uh, Anthony Davis being injured the way he is with the Lakers and that's when what what's the estimate there till the middle of March something like that Yeah Who in the West is the biggest threat to the Jazz?
1: Well, I think it's still the Lakers and the Clippers. Yeah. I think yeah. it's still both those teams. Which yeah. one of those? Um well, I don't know. Probably equal. I know that's probably what you you not want to hear, but I mean Paul George is having his issues. So, I mean, Clippers have Kawhi and a great surrounding cast and Lakers have LeBron and a pretty good surrounding cast. So, I don't know if there's an answer, a good answer there.
2: You you heard what PK said earlier about how the Clippers always are second uh, fiddle to the uh, to the Lakers in LA. And uh, maybe it's because both of us were down there. Uh did you know that we both worked down there? I had no idea. Yeah. We both did, and so we were we were exposed oh, to the <laughs> We were exposed to the attitude about the Clippers, and I know this is a different a different Clippers outfit now, much more talented than typical, but I uh, they were always sort of an afterthought.
1: But that and was like 45 years ago. I worked at the LA Times
2: where, where did you get that sound from? That had to be sarcastic. I wouldn't be boasting about that. No, you um, boast about it all the time. I still I worked at the LA Times. I, that was the same sound. You've played it twice. Yep. Just to reiterate,
4: it's not sarcastic. <laughs>
2: Okay, Hello, I still remember. LA. I still remember walking in the practice facility for the Clippers, walking by their tro- trophy case, and it was absolutely empty. There was nothing in there. Nothing. Zip. L A K E R S.
1: We not know what side you're Knicks.
2: on. What uh, <laughs> side am on? I'm not on a side.
1: Uh, uh, but you are.
2: No, I never rooted for the Lakers when I worked down there. I was. I no, was, you do uh, now. No, I don't. No I, don't. <laughs> no, I still remember interviewing Darren Williams about the Lakers, and we were talking about how the Lakers were the Jazz's big rival, and uh, I said, "Well, the, the Lakers are everybody's big rival in the West," and he he said, "Well, I don't care. I hate them. I hate them," and I thought. Yep, Aaron, you you get the right attitude around here. People gobble that up. Everything everybody except for all those Lakers fans who have moved to Utah from California.
4: You being one of them.
2: No, I'm not one of them. No. Nope.
1: Not You and Darren disagreed often. uh, on the who knew it was about the Lakers? Who?
2: Who disagreed?
1: You. Disagreed With with Darren.
2: Oh, uh, no, I, I, I mean, well, yeah. I love LA. Should we talk to Matt?
1: Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Lone Depot. <laughs> He's our friend, Matt Harrison, who I believe is a jazz fan, not a Laker fan. Right, man.
2: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, Where? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you and Gordon, uh, don't have that in Wait, common.
2: Hold on here a second. Matt, did you grow up in Southern California? How did you know that? I, I I'm psychic, man. I just that don't.
5: that is that is amazing. I did grow up in Southern California, and, and and yes, it pains me to say, in my younger years, though that was back when it was Magic Johnson and Worthy and Kareem, and uh, those were fun. Days. But but again, back then, that was you know it was the Lakers, the Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, and then I moved up here to Utah and fell in love very quickly with the Jazz. And, I live and in Florida. California.
2: The 405's a mother. <laughs> what uh, what freeway did you usually get jammed up on down there?
5: Well, uh, Gordon, I, I was too young to drive um, back then. <laughs> and um, But I, I can tell you, I think it's been, is it the 91 that gets you pretty dang close to Disneyland. I, I think that that was one that comes to mind in the 5. Yeah. I, those so are the two did, that
2: I remember. So you were down Orange County way? Is that where you were? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're we're going down memory lane. I love this. It, right. Yeah, so you
5: know where the where, where, where the sand is warm and and the water is always way too cold to be in.
2: Four hundred five is a mother.
1: That's a fact. All right, let's uh, let's help our listeners out with these reverse mortgages. What uh, we've been covering a number of different topics today. What's next?
5: All right, so I, I want to go through. Um, you know, there's kind of a, a a misnomer out there that reverse mortgages are only for those that absolutely have to. You know, it's like the last-ditch effort to, to tap into the equity of your home, and and the reality is is that this is a great program no matter where you are in life. Um, now, for those that are it truly are, you know, struggling as far as you know, total cash flow position. We used to make a lot of money, or you know, now we're we're just looking at. At Social Security, and that's all we've got. This is a great program for you to increase cash flow. Um, If you're making a mortgage payment, um, if you're paying rent and you're trying to say, okay, how do I I manage this? Using this program can allow you to get into a home where, again, your only housing payment obligation is going to be paying property taxes and insurance and HOA if applicable. But also, it fits really well for that uh, individual that may have their home paid off. And they're sitting there saying, okay, Matt, why would I reverse this? I, I have this paid off. What is in it for me? And when you look at your home that's paid off, it, it really is like this is a, a, a closed asset. It's not liquid. It's almost like you have this big golden nugget and you're sitting there saying, okay, I, I, I've got this this value in this home, but I can't necessarily take, you know, a brick off the side of my home and take it down to Home Depot and say, hey, I, I want to use this and barter this break to buy, you know, some tools with, you know, they're going to laugh you, you know, all the way back to your car. So what the reverse mortgage will do is it will allow you to either take out a lump sum or initiate a line of credit. That's again, growing with interest over time in your benefit. So your home becomes a liquid asset, something that you can tap into, which is awesome.
1: And you're making it super easy for listeners out there saying, Hey, this could really work for me. You're making it easy for them to get more info.
5: I am, and and I'm I, really. I've had so much interest so far in these books. Please take advantage of it. I've got a few boxes of them. Um, I want to hand them out to you completely free. All I need is an address. These books are going to teach you about this program in more detail. Obviously, you can go to my website as well, which is reverseourhome.com. Reverseourhome.com. A lot of great video content there. But if you'd like to have a book, I just need you to text me at eight hundred one. Three three zero, twenty two hundred. 330 2200 again, 801-330-2200, and send me your address, and I will send you over a a copy of this book. It teaches you um, the ins and outs of reverse mortgages, and again, just excited to be able to help as many people as I can.
1: Matt, thank you very much. We appreciate you.
5: Thanks, brother. Appreciate
1: you. All right, there you go. That's our friend Matt Harrison. That number again, 801-330-2200. Or uh, check out his website, ReverseOurHome.com. That's ReverseOurHome.com. We've got a report about BYU basketball we'll get to coming up next. Not Sports 450, Bowler at 5. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
3: Slow Mo
0: Joe. The Joe Ingle Show with DJ and PK. DJ and PK. How as important is it now as the pressure ramps up to make sure you guys have these fun, lighthearted moments? I've said, I think in every post-game interview I've had this year, how good a group of guys we've got. And not just like good guys, but fun guys. We really enjoy each other's company. It's why JC was so quick to come back. It's why Faye wanted to come back. Our locker room is hilarious. We have such different personalities and everyone legitimately gets along really well. Like, it's such a fun group to be around and things happen on the court that are funny and that are fun. And you have such a group group of guys that enjoy each other's company and have one common goal of trying to win. It makes it very fun, and we have a lot of fun. It's good time. Oh, uh, yeah. Catch jazz man Joe Ingalls with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5 1280 The Zone
2: and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in. It is The Big Show. I'm Gordon Monson. Jake Scott will rejoin us momentarily. Uh, Austin, you know, Jake and I have been talking through this whole show about the jazz and the winning 19 of 20. And you've been absent for the past couple of weeks uh, due to uh, COVID. And we're really happy to have you back and glad you're healthy and feeling well. Well, I want to get your thoughts on what you've seen because we really haven't heard from you in this regard.
4: Uh, Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, it's been fun to be at home and just kind of put my feet up and watch the the Jazz games play (laughs) out and not really have the the, the, uh, worker cap on, so to speak, Uh and just kind of be examining and and watching and getting into it. And I'm sure you guys have touched on this because we touched on it last season, and I thought it was – legitimate last season and then it turned out to not quite be that because conley had injuries and jeff green and uh, uh ed davis didn't turn out to be what i personally had thought they were going to be but by the jazz bringing back jordan clarkson and even and derek favors though he's not lighting the world on fire like he did at times in his previous stint with the jazz he is a solid solid pickup when rudy gobert needs a, a breather or two the jazz are so deep and so much closer this season to what they want to do than I, than they were last year. And I thought last year was going to be a, a closer go of it than it turned out to be as well. And so as I've been watching these games and sitting back, I, I see people on Twitter. I hear it via text message from friends and family. A lot of people are allowing their imaginations at this point to explode and run wild and, and enjoying this run that the Jazz are putting together. And I think it it has a real possibility to go beyond just enjoying a little run here. As Jake uh, rejoins us here, Jake, I was telling Gordon, I think that this Jazz team has proven that they are a lot more legitimate of a contender this year than they were last year, and I thought they were last year as well.
1: Yeah, I think they're I I think they're a more complete team than they were last year. I think the depth is a big part of that, Gordon. Well, I'm not sure what you think about that, but I mean. Excuse me. Bringing Derek Favors back and Jordan Clarkson playing next level, and it actually working with Mike Conley and Bogdanovich at the same time. It it absolutely they're way more of a contender this year than last year. I I wholeheartedly agree with that.
2: You know, I, I included this in a column I wrote recently, and it was: Do you remember when we talked with Gail Miller? and she said we talked to her before i think it was just before the start of last season and we were talking about the potential for the jazz and 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 she was excited she was excited about that team but she said i'm not sure the re-, i'm paraphrasing here but she said i'm not sure it's the real deal this year but she said next year is the year that i'm watching and i thought that was that was kind of prophetic, really, when you think about the progress this team has made and sort of the way it's come together to recognize each other, recognize how to utilize and lean on one another, and to play basketball together. And and Quinn's done a terrific job leading that pack.
1: Switching gears just a little bit here, Gordon, our, our friend John Canzano from the Oregonian has a little news in regards to BYU basketball. He reports, he said, Gonzaga and BYU are weighing whether they should opt out of the West Coast Conference Basketball Tournament. Nothing in it for either program except risk of injury, bad loss, and infection. They're both NCAA tournament bound. Regardless, WCCADs are talking about
2: this. I don't have any problem with it. If that's the way they feel about it, then I, in a year like this, I understand it completely. And I think the same is true around the country. If if there's a couple of teams that don't really have to be involved in it, why risk it? And we're talking about a pandemic that has really caused problems with a lot of people. Now, now, some people might have trouble with this and think, oh, come on, get back in the mix and play. It's the way things are done. But I think isn't the NCAA pretty much leaving it up to conferences to decide? Well, I, I don't know whether they're leaving it up to the conferences to decide how they want to handle it, but I, I thought I read somewhere where they were saying that uh, leagues could send either the regular season champ as the automatic qualifier or the the uh, the league postseason champ as the number one team.
1: So you don't have an issue at all that they're using the pandemic as an excuse to position themselves better for the NCAA tournament.
2: Uh, maybe, if that's the way you want to look at it. But I also think there are real safety concerns, health concerns. Yeah, but if uh,
1: BYU needed one more big win, you don't think they'd be playing?
2: <laughs> well, that's a very strong point. Strong point. But it, it's <laughs> it's like anybody who uses health as uh, an explanation for concerns about things It's pretty hard to to go after him on that.
1: Yeah, except for if you're going to use that excuse, I'd like for it to be about the health.
2: Yeah, but it really doesn't matter. Gonzaga, it doesn't really matter. They're they're going to the tournament either way. It doesn't matter matter for them. It doesn't matter for them. And and, and if he says BYU is automatic in, then... uh, then, uh,
1: then that's ducking people. I don't know if I'm. Okay it is with that. kind of
2: ducking people, but we're also in the middle of a pandemic.
1: But that's not the reason.
2: Uh, well, that's what they're going to say the reason is.
1: But that's not the reason. <laughs>
2: how do you know? What do you mean?
1: How do I know? They just—it's in Canzano's report. <laughs>
2: Did someone officially say we don't want to participate because we have an advantageous situation and we don't want to risk anything that way? Canzano said
1: nothing in it for either program except risk of injury, bad loss and infection. They're both NCAA tournament bound regardless.
2: Okay, but but included in that is risk of infection. You know, that that's that's legitimate.
1: If they were um, in a different circumstance, it wouldn't be as legitimate.
2: I I understand. So therefore, it's not legitimate. Sometimes your concerns could be a little more (laughs) self-interested. Urgent, urgent. I I I think I don't like conference tournaments anyway. I think they're stupid. But But they're ducking it.
1: I mean, at least at least don't hide from it.
2: Uh. Is he quoting somebody in there? No, this is just his report. But you know it's true. Well, I I know the teams have concerns about health. Everybody does.
1: But to use that as an excuse to duck an opponent isn't okay with me. I mean, it might be all right with you. That's that's fine, I guess, but I, I don't see any. Here's the
2: question. If those two teams don't participate in a conference tournament, would the winner of the conference tournament get the automatic bid?
4: I would assume and, and so. The,
2: so now they might be creating an opportunity for a league mate. Okay. Because chances are Gonzaga's is going to beat everybody, and so this way, if BYU and and Gonzaga think they are definitely in, and the and the West Coast Conference sends its its its, its tournament winner, now they get three teams in.
1: All right. I mean, you can you you can. Use all the justification you want for a team using the coronavirus to duck an opportunity, but I, I don't I'm still not okay with that.
2: Yeah, but yeah, but you you are of all people you are very uh, respectful of uh, the machinations that uh, that may be involved here to be able to give your conference. I I don't know if that's true, but if if that's if BYU and Gonzaga didn't participate in the postseason tournament. Then then would the would the winner of that tournament still get the automatic bid?
1: Probably. Macha what? <laughs>
2: yeah, that's
4: not how you say it.
2: Machinations. Well, whatever. You know, I
4: it's not that you, either, I don't think.
2: Yeah, it is. Isn't
4: it machinations?
2: Oh, well it could be wrong. I don't know. Anyway, you know what I'm saying machu,
4: the, machu the, the macho macho the macho yeah. <laughs> The Snap into a
1: slim jim guy.
4: Yeah. Yeah, Oh yeah. Oh, that's the cool guy. Huh. <laughs> snap into a slim jim.
2: But you know. How did you say you say it? Machinations. Oh, it's matching. It's a ch. It's not a cu. I it? think it's a cu. I think I'm is with it? Austin on this. Yeah. Will you look that up, Austin? Because you know I I I've always Googled, but I don't. Feel I've like always it Googled. Right now. <sighs> you know so check that out how do you
4: pronounce machinations
2: well you can look on just if you look there it is you
4: ready Uh Uh, i'm gonna play it for you from google all right all right uh let's see uh how do i play it
3: machinations oh Oh, you're right
2: Mm. i
4: apologize
3: machinations
2: yeah i'm sorry
4: it should all right Picchu nations yeah
2: I had somebody else point out to me that uh, sometimes I have a G sound in po- poignant, and it's where there's the G is silent. So uh, when yeah. I
4: say dot .org, it sounds like a K at the end. So we're we're good. Like .org. Yeah. Like out of Lord of the Rings. Like UtahBlood oh. yeah, It sounds like a K. I can't that? fix it.
1: All right, we'll get to the non-sports report. I can't fix it? Coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280
0: The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I need a sign to let me know you're here. All of these lines will be over
1: the atmosphere. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today?
2: Well, we're, we're going to dial in on a report that's coming out of TMZ. So we're we're sure that it's absolutely one hundred percent true, right?
1: They usually are.
2: So apparently, Larry King uh, was uh, he he left a secret will that was written out in his handwriting on a piece of scrap paper, cutting his last wife out of the money. What and was that wife
1: number seven? Number eight, eight, okay,
2: eight, I believe. Uh, but uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, what's her name from Provo? Sean Southwick was that? Is that her name? Uh, let me make sure of that. Hold on one second, and I'll tell you when I get the name correct. If I can find it, yeah, Sean Southwick of uh, Provo. So anyway, uh, it, the will that was scratched out in his handwriting. In uh, just, you know, not long before he died was this is my last will and testament scratched out in his handwriting. It should replace all previous writings in the event of my death. Any day after the above date, I want 100 percent placed above. Oh, uh, uh, Okay, there's an ineligible. uh, I mean, ineligible. How do you say the word? Illegible cross out but it says a hundred percent of my funds to be divided equally among my children andy chiaya Tia Chia? i don't know how you say it and larry larry jr chan cannon and then signed larry king at the bottom so jake i have some questions about this one is that is that legal can you just scratch out something at the last second and uh, that does that hold up
1: I think so. I, I mean, there's some process to it. Like, I think it has to be witnessed and that sort of thing. But yeah.
2: Let me give you a rundown of Larry's track record in uh, with his relationships. He got married in 1952 to Frieda Miller and divorced her a year later. Then he married Annette Kay, uh, married and had a child, and then was divorced in 61. He married uh, Aileen Aikens, who happened to be a Playboy Bunny. They were married in 61, adopted uh, a son, and then divorced in 63. Then he married Mickey Sutpin, Sutpin however you say it. Mar- and that was in 63, but then she divorced him. And so then Larry went and remarried uh, Aileen Aikens, the Playboy Bunny and they had a child in 69, but divorced three years later. Then he married Sharon Leopre, a math teacher. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing the name. They got married in 76 and then divorced seven years later. So then he married Julie Alexander, who he met in 1989, and he proposed to her on, the, on their first date. And they lived in different cities uh, through their marriage. And they separated in 90 and then got divorced in 92. Then he married Deanna Lund, who was an actress. They got engaged in 95. How many more? But they, they did not get married. They did not get married. But then he married Sean Southwick in 1997. And according to this report, it says in his hospital room before his heart surgery, they have a son Chance in 1999, and then a son, Cannon, in 2000. They filed for divorce in 2000, Why would anybody
1: possibly care about this?
2: But then reconciled and divorced again in 2019 because, according to the report, uh, his wife was fooling around on him a little bit, and there's been some dispute as to whether that's true or not. But anyway, uh, so then he he wrote out, and then there were some rumors about some relations that he might have had with... uh, Family member of his wife's, and I don't know what's true and what is, and I'm just looking at the report. But Jake, at the last second, he just writes out this scribbly little note and says, "Everything I ever had written down before doesn't count. This does. Just the kids get the money."
1: Yeah, good for him. I mean, I would probably go a different way. I mean, I'm (laughs) I'm going to have all you know, if I happen to have assets. Uh, when i pass i'm going to have it all liquefied and i'm going to be buried with it.
2: What? Well, okay. Wait, what? Yeah. You're going to do what?
1: Every penny. I mean, i'm going to it's going to be uh, it's going to be in the will. You know, sell the house, cars, whatever assets. I want it completely liquid and then i want it i want to be buried with. Small it. bills? And I'd take up <laughs> hopefully take up a lot Singles? of room, you know. <laughs> A cashier's, so you're not being cremated. No, a cashier's check is fine. I don't care. I just, I just <laughs> want it with me.
4: <laughs> Why?
1: Uh, I don't know. So nobody else can have it. it seems like pretty, a novelty-sized seems check. Pretty that? self-explanatory. Wait, wait a second.
2: would you want to? Would you want to pass it on to your loved ones? No, no. Why?
1: In fact, I'd want. Uh, I'd wish I could see from the great beyond. I want to see their faces when it says he's going to be buried with it.
4: <laughs> They're just going to dig you up. <laughs> You, I would.
1: <laughs> so, so what you're saying here is I need some sort of cement encasing to prevent uh, grave robbery. Well,
4: I'm telling you, I'm gonna try to dig you up. So
2: you... <laughs> you'll need to stop me, Jake. You, you can't be serious, right? Oh, I mean, right? absolutely, 100. Well, what about what about little Sadie? Doesn't she want a little something for the effort of putting up with you all those years?
1: She can get a job. <laughs>
4: I think our friend Matt has better ideas with what to do with her. Her
1: arms movie. aren't painted on. She'll be fine. Matt, Is Matt with us? Let's uh, let.
5: us yeah, it. Yeah, it. it would have to, the eulogy would have to read something like, Here, Herein lies Jake Scott, who was a brilliant man, decided to take it all with him. <laughs> it's you all coming with, me. with
2: You can't take it with you. You're, you're taking it with you. I can try. Matt, does that sound like good financial advice for a man to be buried with all his money?
5: Well, here's the thing. The, the money's going to start to corrode, whether it's paper. You know, it's, gonna, it's not going to be worth anything anyway. If it's like a, a metal, you know, uh, Austin's going to go dig it up. I mean, it's just it's not it's not good. Down financial uh Jake. We got to we got work it. on that. But, but, but Matt, <laughs> here's yeah. the thing,
2: Here, Jake, Jake. He doesn't care whether the money deteriorates. He just wants to keep it from everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Selfish man. Have you never okay. seen a Christmas care? What's the story? You know, don't you know that you're going to be? You should be visited by a ghost telling you to be more generous.
1: I don't believe in ghosts, Gordon.
2: i don't know what i don't know what to do with the man
3: oh man
2: well you know jake we 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 can talk reverse mortgages
5: a little bit here it it will allow you to dip into some of the equity in your home and hopefully you've got the uh you know some of the ghosts of christmas past that will come and visit you and uh and and help with the (laughs) scroogeary
1: oh i hope so
5: All right, guys. Well, you know, I wanted to kind of open up this segment a little bit to, well, first and foremost, um, I want to do something different. So we've got two more segments coming up in the next hour. I would like to field some real live questions that can come in. So you can either text me at 801-330-2200. Oh, I'm sure there's the, the zone number you guys can throw out there later. But I'd like to be able to throw out a, a scenario or answer a question for someone. One of our listeners is, interested in this program. And I want to want to tell you how easy it is to actually see if this program works for you, okay? I need three basic things. First, a name. By the way, we won't use your real name uh, unless, Gordon, you want me to. Um, second, it would be a birth date. And third, I either need to know what you want to buy as far as a home, and I can let you know about how much you'd need to bring in for that, or if you've got a current mortgage and you're sitting there saying, okay, Matt, my mortgage is sitting about 150 grand and I, I have about $400,000 in projected value. What does this look like? And I will show you how simple it is for me to work through that scenario and, and let, you know, our listener know how that works.
1: I love it that you're having a lot of folks reach out. I know you're doing the free book, but really, you know, find out if this can help you.
5: Yeah, no, this is, it's a wonderful program. Uh, Again, Here's your qualifications. Got to be at least sixty-two, at least one of you, right? If you're married, um, has to be a primary residence, and it has to be, um, you know, taking care of. You got to pay property taxes, insurance. You still got to maintain it. But again, those principal and interest payments are they become optional to you. You don't need to make them, which can increase cash flow, which helps out a lot of people. Um, so there's a couple of ways to to get the book. By the way, um, you can. Text me, 801-330-2200. Again, 801-330-2200. Or, go you to know, my website, reverseourhome.com. Again, reverseourhome.com. And um, I look forward to sending out a free book to you. I just need your address and your name, and, and we'll get that out to you. But, yeah, I encourage you. To send, me, send me a text. Send the station a text with a question, and we'll go through it on this next segment.
1: Matt, you're awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. That's our friend Matt with Loan Depot. That number again, 801-330-2200, or go to ReverseOurHome.com. Bowler is next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.